Morning, everyone. Morning. Uh, welcome to our morning service here at the High Kirk. Uh, we'd also like to give you a warm welcome to any visitors and for those listening uh, from home. We'd also like to wish everyone uh, every blessing for 2022 or 2022, whatever way you want to see it. Uh, only a couple of wee intimations this morning. First one, as you know, throughout December we're collecting for Sammy's school. Uh, delighted to say that we've so far we've collected a magnificent £651.51. Uh, and so, big thanks to all who have donated. Uh, second wee thing is just as you exit the church at the end of the meeting, if you could go out that door if you're able to do so. Uh, if you're unable to do so, if you just go out that way and those in the balcony, out that way as well. Um, one other wee thing just before I hand over to Scott. Uh, there's somebody celebrated a really big birthday this week. Uh, sure. <laughs> so, many congratulations reaching a, a big 4 0, was it, Stuart? A big 4 0. Oh no, wasn't it? That it was 70. Oh, so congratulations, Stuart. You've reached there the three score year and ten, so well done. And I'll now hand over to Scott to lead us in our worship. Well, I would also like to wish you all a happy new year and I pray that it'll be a better one and that the Lord will just bless your hearts and your homes. And as Billy also shared, yes, Stuart, we do want to give thanks to God. It's it's a lovely birthday to celebrate, and we do pray the Lord bless you and uh, Anne as well, and the family. Well, we're going to worship together in our opening hymn, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. So let's worship together. I'll let you keep your seats, so we'll worship together.
Let's unite our hearts in prayer. Let's pray. O our eternal God and King, grant us again that peace that passes all understanding, the peace that only Christ, our Prince of Peace, can give. And so, Lord, as we sing our hymns of praise this morning, O help us, we pray, to come to know the Saviour and Lord to whom they point. Oh, that we would know Jesus more passionately, that we may know his life more powerfully, and that we would know his love more deeply. But Lord, help us this morning to prepare our hearts and lives to worship you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, as we bring our own prayers here this morning, oh, we ask that you would touch each life. Lord, I pray that you would touch those who have joined us this morning, those online, and Lord, those who we think of dearly. Oh, may they know the touch of the Master's hand and the everlasting arms of God surrounding them at this time. And so, Lord, gather us under your wings as we seek to worship you. Bless this time together as we do offer these prayers in Jesus' precious name. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we now take our Bible reading in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 3. And we read from the beginning of the chapter. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, and verses 1 to 12. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt round his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. 
I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his, his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Amen. And may the Lord bless us the reading of his precious word. But now, as we continue in Matthew's gospel, Matthew connects Jesus with another theme. He connects Jesus to Moses, because of course, remember, Moses was their great hero. There was Abraham, their great patriarch. They boasted in being the children of Abraham, but oh, they also boasted in Moses, the great lawgiver himself. And so for Moses, oh, he was their hero. And now Matthew opens up the, the gospel and tells us, now Jesus is actually a greater than Moses. But did you notice the connection? In Jesus, you'll see a new, a new Moses. He is greater than the Moses that you read of in the Old Testament. God had delivered Moses and the people out of Egypt. Do you remember that? And of course, here Matthew says, and Jesus is the son called out of Egypt. Moses was to lead them out of slavery and into a covenant relationship with God. And so Moses crosses, we're told, the Red Sea. And now Matthew tells us that Jesus is baptized in the Jordan. Again, Matthew wants to elevate Christ. He is, he is a greater than Moses. You look to Moses as your great hero, but Jesus is better. He is far superior. Look. And here, yes, Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness, but now Matthew tells us, but look at Christ, who spent 40 days in the wilderness. And again, Matthew is comparing Jesus to, to Moses, but he's a greater than Moses. Moses receives the law there on Mount Sinai. And now as we continue in Matthew's gospel, you're going to find Jesus also on the mount, like Moses, where he gives the great sermon on the mount, calling the people to return to the Lord, to come to him, and that they can come into that covenant relationship with God, a new, a brand new relationship, that they can be citizens of the kingdom. And as Jesus, like Moses on the mount, gives a wonderful call, he's then going to commission them. When they, come, when they experience the kingdom of God, they are now to live in the kingdom. And the rest of the Sermon on the Mount explains how we're to live in the kingdom of God. And so Matthew here, yes, he connects Jesus to Moses. But oh, Jesus, yes, he's the son of Abraham. He's the son of David. He's Emmanuel, God with us. But oh, he's greater even than Moses. 
But now in chapter 3, I want you to notice that Matthew makes another connection which will prepare us for the ministry of Jesus as we're prepared to meet the Lord of glory. Matthew brings us into a transition and he connects now this great ministry of Christ to John the Baptist. Here we are now introduced to John the Baptist once again. Through the Gospels, especially in Luke's Gospel, we read prophecies about John the Baptist. So, who is John the Baptist? What's he about? Well, there in Luke's Gospel in chapter 1, the angel Gabriel gives this testimony of John. You're to give him the name John. He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Even John's own father, Zechariah, said this of him. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. And what about John himself? What does John the Baptist say of himself? He, he says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. And of course, John here is quoting the scriptures of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 to 5. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. John declares, I am the one that Isaiah prophesied about. I am the one preparing the way for the Lord. Now in Isaiah, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D. You'll see that in all your Bibles, where it says, prepare the way of the Lord. It's Jehovah. It's the covenant-keeping, the promise-keeping God that John is to prepare the way for. So what's John saying? He's telling us that Jesus is the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. He is Jehovah Jesus. And John says, I am just a voice crying in the wilderness, but I'm here to prepare the way for him. I am to make things straight. I'm to make the road straight. John is, is like the, the worker there on, on, on the highways tarring the roads, making sure that the, that the roads have nothing hindering so that you will get to that city of refuge. We're told that these cities of refuge in Israel where people would find safety and security 
We're told that the roads leading to the cities of refuge were the best roads. They were well maintained in order that you could get to a place of refuge safely. And so John is here and he says, that's my ministry, is to prepare the way for the Lord. To make straight the paths. And as John's own father said, that he will give to his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. John explains, you can know forgiveness. You can know mercy. You can know grace. For forgiveness, mercy and grace. And that love of God is found in Christ himself. And so John said, behold the lamb. Don't look at me. I can't forgive you. I can't cleanse your soul. When you come for baptism, I can't do anything. But a greater than me, who I am unworthy to even untie his shoes. Oh, he's the one who will forgive. He is the one. So John, as he prepares the way, he doesn't point to himself. John is not the sun rising in the morning. He is a mere star. He's a shooting star. And yes, people come out to the Jordan to look at him. They're amazed at John. Even the the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they're all amazed at John. They're not quite sure what to make of him. He's like a shooting star. And John explains, look, I am not that light. I'm, yes, I'm just a shooting star. That'll just disappear It looks great on the night sky, but oh, nothing will compare to the sun rising in the morning. And the sun is rising. The sun is going to rise in the morning. And he is Christ the Lord, and he will outshine even the light that I bring. I must decrease, John said, and he must increase. He is wonderful. He is great. The angels were correct. He shall be great. I'm nothing in comparison. I can't do anything. Jesus is the one who will save you from your sins. He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. He will transform your life. And John said, I'm only here to prepare the way. I'm here to point to him. And so that's John's ministry. But I also want you to notice Matthew also wants to show the manner of John's dress. Here he is clothed in animal hair, a garment of hair, and he has a leather belt eating locusts and wild honey. Here Matthew wants to highlight that John, he has a a surrendered heart. He may look extreme, but Matthew wants to show that he is Elijah. He has come in the power of Elijah. He is the fulfillment. Remember how Elijah was to come preparing for the Lord? Elijah would come preparing us for the Lord who would come, God our salvation. Elijah 
prepared us for Elisha in the Old Testament. And so here in the New Testament, Matthew picks up on that theme. He said, yes, John, oh, he's our Elijah-like character. He will come in the power and the ministry of Elijah. He is to prepare us for Elisha, God our salvation. A greater than Elijah is to come. And so here John is dressed just like Elijah. He is a servant of God. He is the messenger of the Lord. He has a, a, a humility. He's not clothed in robes. He's not clothed in splendor that would draw attention to himself. No, here he is. Separated unto the Lord. Clothed in humility with a servant's heart. And so here he appears now in the power of Elijah. And Jesus even said of John, he said he is the greatest of all the prophets. None shall be greater than John. And so John, yes, he may be a, a shooting star in the night sky, but John wants to tell us, but Jesus is the sun in all his glory. Oh, look to him. Oh, that you would know life in him, that you would find a relationship with him, not a religion, but that you would come into a relationship with Christ. Oh, receive him, he tells us. And so now John goes on to share his message. To all gathered, there, verses 2 to 6, he tells us, repent. I know we often read that word repent as a, in a negative way. We can see this old prophet there in the wilderness. We often see it in the movies. We just see him shouting out repent in an aggressive way as if he doesn't love anyone. He just, he just wants to give a good shout at you. Repent. And often we see that word repentance. But you know this, the word repentance, it's not an aggressive, angry phrase. It's actually the most winsome word. Repent means to turn away from the mess in your own life. It's to turn away unto the Lord. It's, to it's not just a change of mind. It's, it's a change of heart and life. It, it's, it's a wooing. It's, it's a calling. Oh, repent. Turn around. As Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, oh yes, we often take a glimpse at our sins and we're tempted to focus in on our sins and oh, and we get more miserable when we look at our sins. But Spurgeon would say, oh, turn away. Turn away. Isn't it much better to look at Jesus than to look at your own sins? That's repentance. To repent is to decide, am I going to look at my sins for the rest of my life? Am I going to spend the rest of my days now just moaning about how bad I am and how awful I am? Oh, I'm just a worm in the dust. Oh, I'm an awful person. I don't deserve to live. And you know, there are many Christians who live like that and they talk like that. But that's not repentance. Repentance is a turning and looking to Jesus, saying, Jesus, I'm not lovely, but you are. Jesus, I'm not good enough, but you are. And to live the Christian life is actually going around knowing I'm, I may not be that lovely. I may not be that good, but oh, he is. 
I have found him to be my loveliness. He is my goodness. He is my perfection. He is my life. He is my all and all. That's what it is to live the Christian life. It's declaring who he is, not who you think you are. If you think the Christian life is about telling people who you think you are, oh, I'll tell you, you live a miserable Christian life. That's not what it's about. It's about declaring Christ, showing forth the life of Christ. That yes, when you, you can leave today showing the life of Christ, he has forgiven me all my sins. Isn't that lovely? Therefore, he can forgive you. If he can forgive me, boy, I'll tell you, he can forgive you. That's good news. And therefore, John declares, oh, repent. Turn to him who is the altogether lovely one. Come into this wonderful relationship with God. You can be a citizen of the kingdom. Like the Magi. Oh, when they encountered Jesus, they couldn't walk in the same way. They couldn't go on the same journey that they came in. They went out by a different route. And when we come to receive Christ, it's the same. When we come to receive him into our hearts, into our lives, then we walk a different way. And we talk a different way. We think a different way. Our hearts, our lives are changed. And as John brings that word, oh, repent, turn to the Lord. He also speaks to the, the religious, the Pharisees, and he says to them, oh, and who told you to flee from the wrath to come? And he tells them, you need to repent too. These religious leaders thought that they didn't need anything. They were perfect. They were God's chosen. Oh, they were religious. They kept all the commands, so they thought. And John just looks at them and says, oh, who told you to flee from the wrath to come? Why are you here? You, what do you need? You, you think you have need of nothing. You're perfect. You're sinless. You have no, nothing. You don't need to be forgiven of anything. You're going great. But John looks at them and he says, you need to repent too. You need to know our relationship with God. It's not about fulfilling a religion. And John tells these religious people, don't rely on your heritage. Don't rely on because your dad was a Christian and your mother was a Christian and your grandparents attended a church and your great-great-great-grandparents went to the church. Oh, don't rely on your heritage or your tradition. John tells them, no. Judgment is at hand. Jesus is coming. And yes, the wrath of God is coming. If you don't turn to the Lord, he tells these religious Pharisees and Sadducees, said, if you don't come into a relationship with, with the Lord, you will know judgment. You will know fire. You will know the wrath of God. And he tells them, oh, judgment is at hand. But then he turns to the whole crowd and he closes his message and he tells them, oh, I baptize with water unto repentance. I, yes, Come, know your heart cleansed. Turn to the Lord. Receive Christ. Come into a relationship. 
But he says, oh, but there's one who's coming. And he will baptize you in the Spirit and with fire. There were a number of ritual immersions and baptisms that people would go through in Israel's tradition. But there was a one-off baptism that was set aside for Gentiles. Because Gentiles were regarded as the worst and, and they had a special baptism for them. They needed to be cleansed all over. They needed to be washed all over. They needed to get rid of not just normal sins, but oh, the sins of the Gentiles. And so they had to have this one-off baptism. And John tells the whole crowd, Jews and Gentiles, you all need this. You all need this baptism. You all need to be cleansed thoroughly. You need to be washed of all your sins past, present, and future. And he is the one, Jesus is the one who will come and he will cleanse you, he will baptize you with the Spirit. You're not just going to be forgiven, you're going to know the life of the Spirit. And so John declares, yes, repent, be baptized the fire of God is coming. Jesus, one day, yes, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and God's wrath will be outpoured at the last. But notice how John tells us though, but for the Lord's people, they will be gathered like wheat into the barn. He will protect us. The Lord's people will escape from the fire and from the wrath to come. That's good news. I don't want to shy away from the reality of hell. That's a true doctrine. I believe in the, that doctrine. But I love how John highlights, yes, the wrath of God will come. The fire, it's real. But John says, but all who put their trust in Christ, all the Lord's people, you will be gathered like wheat into the barn. You will be brought into a place of safety and security. Don't worry. Don't be frightened of the end of your life. Don't worry about, oh, what if I've received Jesus, but what if I still don't make it? Oh, what if I blunder at the end? Don't worry. He is going to gather you into his barn. He will protect you. He will keep you safe. If you have put your trust in him today, you're safe. You're secure. You're safer than the angels in glory right now. If you know Christ as your saviour, if you are a Christian today, you are safe. He is going to gather you at the end. Don't worry. He will gather you into that place to be with him forever and ever. Oh, and so this morning, can I encourage you all to repent? Yes, Turn to the Lord. Don't mope about your sins and how you feel as if you've made a mess of your Christian life. Oh, just look to him today. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Yes, I believe most of you here, you've probably already been baptized. That outward symbol of the inner work of God. And we're to receive him. We're to repent, we're to be baptized, we're to receive Christ. And we're to pray, Lord, thy kingdom come. And then 
We're to go from this place and make disciples. We're to share the good news, not just by our words, but by our life. We're to live out the kingdom of God. Oh, can we do that this morning? Well, let's turn to a quiet time of prayer and let your own prayers go to the Lord and then Billy will lead us in our intercessory prayers. So let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, as we come together in prayer, we just thank you for being with us this morning. We thank you for your word. And we just pray that you will help us to take it into our hearts. Lord, when we think about New Year time, it's a time of perhaps reflection as you look back on the last year. And perhaps we think of the things that we've done right and the things that we could have done better. So Lord, as we bow before you this morning, the words of the song we were singing earlier, we pray, purify my heart, cleanse me from within and make me holy. Purify my heart, cleanse me from my sin deep within. Lord, we pray that prayer that you might move in our lives and that we might go forward into a new year changed and being able to serve you and to maybe prepare the way for people that don't know you. And we might be able to introduce Jesus to them. Father, as we look around the church this morning, Lord, and there's so many empty seats, people who haven't managed to, to come back. Lord, there are many reasons for this, Lord. It could be because of COVID, because of masks, because of illness, because of loneliness. But Lord, this morning we want to pray for each person who would normally sit in the pews that are empty. We ask you, Lord, to draw close to them, to bless them, and to remind them that you love them. Lord, we pray that there will soon be an end to this pandemic, Lord. That this COVID will no longer control our lives. But Lord, we trust in you that your will will be done. Lord, we pray for those who are unwell at this time. And we ask you to bless them. We ask you to touch them. Lord, again, we pray for those who are perhaps lonely at this time, that you will be their comforter and that you will be their companion, that they will know you. Father, we pray that you will bless each family represented here this morning, Lord, that as we go into a new year, that you will bless each one of us, Lord, and also those listening online. Lord, we again thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to bring our tithes and our offerings. Lord, we ask you to use them 
for the extension of your kingdom. And we thank you again for the donations that have been made to Sammy's school in Kenya. Lord, we just pray that you will bless Sammy and his family and all the people that he works with. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks so much, Billy, for leading us in our intercessory prayers. Well, we're now going to sing together and worship the Lord as we sing this beautiful hymn, I Hear Thy Welcome Voice That Calls Me, Lord, to Thee. And we'll keep our seats. So may grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Amen.